Welcome to the Punts, Bunts, and Jams podcast. No matter if we are recapping the action from the week before, we're setting up what we are most excited to see in the coming days. I guarantee you will have a great time, so sit back and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Punts, Bunts, and Jams podcast. This is episode five of season two. Cody and I have got several things to talk about tonight. We've got Major League Baseball, we're going to talk a little bit of college baseball starting up this week. We've got some golf to talk about. NASCAR just left the Daytona 500, but they're right back at Daytona for the road course. We've got some college basketball to talk about. It's going to be a fun episode. So, Cody, go nuts. What's up, Clay Dodd? What's up, buddy? How can you, as a sports fan, not absolutely love what happened Sunday night? Yes, I know we had to wait five hours and 40 minutes, but that was the most excited I've been for a sports event. It's probably since the SEC championship game. Yeah, it was very exciting. And that finish, man, going into turn three, I mean, just crazy. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But I just had to get that off my chest because that was so incredible, that finish. We'll get to it later. But you know what else is exciting, Clay Dodd? What's that? Pitchers and catchers reported today. That's right. Pitchers and catchers reported today. We had some really big news that literally come out right before we started recording this. Did you see it? I I did not. I was playing PlayStation. Tatis at San Diego at 22 years old. Uh-huh. 22. Signed a contract tonight for 14 years, $340 million. That's not even a good contract. I mean, 14, 14 years? Yes. And he's, like I said, I, I put emphasis on him being 22 because you look at players that were, were established. I mean, I don't like Bryce Harper, but he was in the league for a while. You look at, you know, of course, um, and, and I'm drawing a blank. How can I ever draw a blank with the one at L.A.? Oh, my Trout. Mike Trout, wow. Well, I, I mean, I him. to be fair, yes, he's probably, quote-unquote, the best player in baseball, but nobody ever gets to see him play except the All-Star game. So That's true, but he was 27 years old. Mookie Best, 27 years old when he got his contract last year. These guys who have been in the league have done something. I, lo- I really enjoy watching Tatis, but let's be, let's be real here. Until last year, which was a 60-game season, how many people out there actually knew about him? Well, maybe because of his name, but other than that, I mean, he wasn't like, oh, he's he's going to be the, the next thing. I mean, if you look at what the Braves have, I, I've said it a million times, the Braves got away with absolute murder with the way they had – with the way they paid Ozzy and Ronald Acuna. Yes, 100%. They I mean, 10 years, 100 million, that's like yeah. thir- 30 bucks. Yeah. I I think also what made this shocking about Tatis is the fact that he is not up for arbitration. He wasn't at the end of his, you know, contract or it's come out of left field, you know, and, and he signed a mega contract 14 years. We have no clue what he will be like. I mean, that's like that terrible Albert Pujols contract. Yes. I mean, but the difference is, is like he was older and like, why would you give somebody that many years at that 
that's yeah. that age. This is the opposite. You don't know what Tatis is going to be doing in six years. Heck, he might get how much was guaranteed? Uh, $340 million contract. I'm not sure about the I mean, surely money. what? Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say at least, you know, at least half. Out. Yeah, maybe 170 till I get half. But and I, I apologize. I'm probably messing that name up. I know I do. I mess up a lot of names. So just bear with me. But oh, it's Tatis, but I Tatis, mean, Tatis. But... I mean, he's making three hundred million dollars. He, you could call him butt for all he cares. He's he don't three hundred million dollars yeah. richer. But yeah. really, yeah. that's, I mean, that's LeBron James money. Yeah, this is, and on top of that, this isn't the only three hundred million dollar player they have on the roster. No, no. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, a third baseman that's that's you know sitting there at just as much money. And just as crazy of a contract. I mean, just the they're, the Padres must have, you know, started an oil refinery or something out there because they are just pulling the money well, from these guys. Yeah, I mean, think about all they have now. They've got Tatis. They've got Manny Machado. Yeah. That's just – I mean, their roster – somebody texted me the other day. I can't remember who it was. But they said that the Dodgers aren't even going to be the best team in their division. And I was like, what? I was like, how can they not with that pitching staff and everything? And he said, I, I think the Padres are are going to beat them this year. And, you know, it, it could happen because the Dodgers might be like, hey, we just won a World Series. They might get a little bit complacent. You never know. Yeah. I, I mean, hope that, not. I mean, that's just part of it. I mean – the, it is the last back-to-back champion was the Yankees, correct? Yeah, I believe so. It's it's so tough to go back to back, but I think that people are jumping on the Padres a little quick. I really do. I think that this team is going to be something, but it's. I'm just going to be frank with you. We've got the Dodgers have a great staff. They have a great you know managing staff. They've. I I, I just had to see it. We play 18 times this year. We'll see what happens. We'll see how it shakes yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, if then, I'm a betting man, I would I would say the Dodgers win at least 11 of those. Yeah, and more importantly, they're going to win when we get to the – you know, I hope we win when we get to the playoffs. I mean, I don't see the Padres – the Padres have the, the guys. They don't have the history, and the Dodgers have been there. We've been there, done that. We'll see if we can keep it up because I, I hope they repeat, obviously. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Another thing I want to look at is when you're talking about the San Diego Padres, like it's almost kind of like they're, I don't know how to put it, like they they are the the cool thing in town. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. They're the, they're the trendy pick. They're the right trendy now. pick. They're, they kind of remind me of the the Marlins from last year as far as, you know, they're, you know, there's, there's everybody's prom pick or prom queen or whatever. Like everybody was so happy that the Marlins were in the playoffs, but the Padres are just, I feel like a lot better than the Marlins. And, and obviously like no offense, Clay, kind of <laughs> don't want the Dodgers to win it again, but I'll be honest. The, the Padres scare me almost as much as the Dodgers do. I just, once again, I, I, I like watching the Padres. Yeah, I mean, I love it. 
You know, we yeah, were all about the Padres last year because we were. They were the ones that were showing up everybody, and we loved it. Yeah, I, I just to me, you bring the experience. The experience has to mean something, right? Oh, yeah. It has to. And the good thing for the Padres is that experience can come quick whenever you've got a 162 game season. It um it definitely helped the Dodgers, you know, with their history last year in mm-hmm. a shortened season to get it going. The Padres didn't have that. The Padres will be stronger. They were good last year. They will be good this year. I just don't like you said. They're the trendy pick. Everybody's got them. And with this signing, obviously people are going to jump on their bandwagon even right. more. And, you know, people forget about Machado and the big contract he had. You've got two very expensive players, mm-hmm. and they don't have the, – the Padres do not have the kind of money the Dodgers do. You know, the Dodgers are paying luxury tax this year in, in a yeah, big way. They, I, I would say the Padres are what, like the 20th biggest baseball market? Right. And as much as I, I like, you know, my my team's chances here, I mean, they, they're $35 million over the luxury tax. So they're paying quite a bit out. You know, it's, when they signed Turner a week ago to come back and play and get that leader back, it was a big yeah, what, deal. What did you think about that? Do you think it took too long or were you kind of okay no. with not having him back? Or, like, what was your – No, I, I want him back. I think that Justin Turner is more – his, I put it this way: his stats are fine; they're good. You know, there's nothing bad there. But what he brings to the table, as far as a leader, is mm-hmm. huge. And yeah. I think what he does for that organization is a big deal. And he keeps that team grounded. He, he's just—you can tell—he's the vocal leader. He's the the guy they turn to. And um, I, I just like having him on the team. You know, we lost a few pieces this year but we've we've also signed some guys you know we got we got bauer man i mean my favorite pitcher and i i didn't think there was any way that he would get signed to the dodgers there's 30 teams in the league and i'm sitting there thinking you know he's there's no way i'm not gonna get my favorite pitcher on my favorite team and all, all right. of a sudden the next thing i know boom you send me a text message y'all got trevor bauer and i'm like was i happy about that crap. There's no way you were happy about that. I was that. not There's a happy no camper way. that day. No. Oh, I, well, then, I wasn't rather, that no. off, Clay Dodd. I wasn't that off. The Padres are the 17th wealthiest team in baseball. Yeah. They obviously yeah. obviously one through four is pretty obvious. You got the Yankees and the Dodgers, Red Sox, and then Cubs. Yeah. It's, it's very obvious. Kind of, kind of a surprising one is the Nationals at 10. I did not think they were that high. Yeah, that is surprising. The Braves are 12, which is actually really high to me. I thought I thought we were about 18th or 19th. You got some uh, Chick-fil-A money. You know? Now, the Marlins are $980 million, which is – oh, that's so poor. But in comparison to the $5 billion – Let me ask you this, Cody. Would are. you, as a Braves fan – would you yeah. rather have Trevor Bauer at the Dodgers or the Mets? Because that's the two teams that came down. It came down to the that Mets. The Mets. You would rather have him at the Mets? Yes, because the Mets are the Mets. <laughs> they they would find a way to mess that up. They would. They would. We are not. And like I would there I would just 
I would be shocked if if the Mets did anything this year. I just would be shocked. I just don't trust the Mets. Their their organization's crap. Like everything about the Mets is just crap. Yeah. Like I just don't get all the Met love. I don't understand it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people picking them to still win the East, and I'm over here like, what are y'all talking about? I agree. I I don't see how they're gonna they're gonna sustain. But I guess we got this started off, and we're just excited because, like Cody mentioned, pitchers and catchers reported today. That's huge. There's two weeks of practice for them. Then we get in the rest of the team shows up coming up. Like I said, in two weeks, and then and four weeks after that, we've got opening day. We've got baseball. We've got you know <laughs> it's coming. I got a little excited out there. Yeah, and. Before we get to, you know, these players that get to Major League Baseball, they play, most of them at least, play some college baseball. And that starts this Friday. God, I'm so happy. So happy SEC baseball is back. College baseball is back. And this year could be the best it's been since the 90s. Do you want to know why, Clay Dodd? Please tell me why. Because last year there were only five rounds of the MLB draft. So that means there are 1,100 players that would normally be in, you know, in the minor leagues that are now back in college baseball. So these teams are going to be absolutely stacked. And the best team in baseball is going to be the Florida Gators because there are like 11 or 12 people that are normally would have been in the draft that are now back. And I, I don't see how they're going to – I don't see how you're going to beat them in a series. I just don't. So I'm. Yeah. I think with everybody else, I think they're going to win the World Series, and for sure they're going to be in Omaha. They might not win it, but they are daggum sure going to be in Omaha. Man, they have five pitchers on their team. Five pitchers that are going to get drafted. Going to not could be going to. So, if, at a, you know, if those five get drafted, you know there's going to be somebody else that steps it up, that comes in late in the season. You know, he may be a late-round guy or something like that. So, that right there tells you they're going to have their three, you know, their three-day starters, and then two other guys, probably one of those will be starting that midweek game, something like that. And you've got multiple bullpen guys that will be coming in that are going to be playing in the in the major league. Throwing 95. Throwing 95, and they're breaking in a brand-new stadium. They're starting off right out of the gate with a rival, a ranked team, number 21, Miami, comes to town to break in this brand-new stadium. Florida is going to be something. Unless they just absolutely, you know, just crap the bed. Unless something happens with COVID or something like that, I just – You know, if if it's – anything like that, or if they're, like, opting out or whatever yeah. the case may be, Florida is going to bring home the trophy this year. Yeah. Yeah, they're stacked. They're just absolutely stacked. I'm excited to see what our team does, man. Last year we got, you know, such a short season. We College baseball didn't get to re, you know, make up any games or reschedule. Mm-hmm. When, they went, when they went radio silent, they went radio silent. They didn't come back. And before that, Bama was rolling. We were getting things going. Yeah, it was sixteen and one. You know, only had that one loss on the year. We were had a ton of you know great pitching with Prelip and uh, the Viper, and then you know 
Owen Diodotti, the Canadian, was just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. This year, you never know. I mean, they're they're picked to be 12th in the SEC, but they're also ranked 25th. So, like, just because you're ranked 12th in the SEC doesn't mean you're not a good team. Heck, it doesn't mean you couldn't even host a regional or something. You know, if things break your way and you end up nine, ten games over 500 in the SEC – you're you're probably going to host. So, you know, I think we have the pitching. It's always been the hitting. Can we get those hits with runners on? You know, can we draw some walks, not hit into double plays? Those type of things have plagued Alabama baseball in the past. And it's just not a great thing when you've got LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State in your division and – the West isn't even – they don't even have the favorite in the country. Like, that's Florida. So, yeah. you know, and you've you've got South Carolina, Vanderbilt. Those teams have won national championships before. Those teams have been in Omaha. Yeah, so Vanderbilt's like, ranked fourth, I believe. Yeah, and, you know, the only team that really hasn't been relevant lately is Alabama because Auburn's been to the Omaha. You know, you've had Texas A&M. Arkansas was a blue – you know, a – a little blunder away from winning the national championship a couple years ago. I mean, it's just so hard to get good, but I do think coach Bohannon is the guy for Alabama to get it going in the right direction. Yeah. I think it's going to be exciting. And in college baseball, just in general, man, there's something about the sound of that bat that just really gets you going. And I can't wait to watch it. I'm glad that, you know, we've got it back. I hope that we get a full season in. I think we will. I think that they've, you know, they've done a good job with college basketball and college football, obviously. And I think that we can get a season in. And I'm excited for it. College, you know, softball started up this past week. Yep. And um, so Alabama moved up the number six. You know, they they won all four games, not without giving up a run. 29 to nothing was the run differential this weekend. So, or last weekend. So that's, you know, that's not a bad start, I would say. No, I would feel like that's the, their solid. first game. There was a perfect game; like they didn't give up a hit or walk or anything. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty solid there. <laughs> so, so moving on from baseball in general, uh, moving on from the diamond, let's talk a little golf. I know you want to mention before Sunday, Jordan Spieth was on fire and he was bouncing back. Yeah, God, he hasn't won a tournament since 2017. The last two weekends, he's been the, in the last grouping. You know, he's he's had the lead going into Sunday twice now. And, you know, two weeks ago at the Waste Management, he just – he played horrible. I think he was even, maybe maybe one under. So, he didn't play good then because everybody else was three, four, or five under. Brooks Kepke ended up winning. And then last week – or last Sunday, he was just – I mean, he was making – 160-yard eagle, you know, from the fairway, just absolute darts. And I was like, oh, my gosh, because there's only a couple people in sports and their sport that can do that. To me, Mm -hmm. one is obviously Tiger. Second is Jordan Spieth. When he is on, you just get this, like, chill in your body. You're like, oh, my gosh. Spieth is back. You know, the golden child, the golden one, he he is ready today. And it's just a different feeling, even when, you know, there's not a ton of fans out there. You know, even when it was just 2,000 fans instead of the normal 200, that literal 200,000 fans. 
that would be at the waste management. Just those two or three thousand people watching Jordan Spieth when he's on. He all he does is he tries to take up for his bad drives. He he's a recovery like specialist because he'll hit into the to the rough and then he'll chip like he'll have a, a great approach and then he'll drain a 45 yard bomb or a 45 foot bomb for birdie. That's just Jordan Spieth golf. You know, he'll drain a bunker shot. He's just electrifying and the group texts are going off when Jordan Spieth is on. That's just what it is. And some people don't like him. I I don't know if I like him or not. I just absolutely love when he's doing great. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And to go along with his play, what is it that Shooter McGavin said that drive, sell tickets, and putts, cash yeah. the checks? Drive, drive for show, putt for dough. There it is. There it is. I like yeah. it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just – that's Jordan Spieth because he yeah. he's so – like you watch him warm up, it makes me uncomfortable. He'll be – it'll take him 23, 25 seconds just to hit a shot, you know, on the driving range where that's where you're supposed to be getting your rhythm. And he's over there. His feet are going up and down. He's talking to his caddy. He's going nuts. And then, like, even during the round, just listening to him talk to his caddy is just – it's amazing TV because his caddy is like, Jordan, we – like, you can hear it because there's no fans and the microphones or whatever. And he's like, Jordan – you don't need to hit this club there, man. It's not going to be the club. And he's like, I just got a lot of adrenaline. I think I really, really need to hit this club. And then, like, as soon as he hit it, he looks at his caddy. He's like, you're right. I should have hit your club. Like, it's just a crazy roller coaster ride watching Jordan Spieth play golf. And it's what golf needs. It needs a villain, which is Patrick Reed. And it needs electrifying, which when Tiger's out because of his back, Jordan Spieth is that guy. He is the next guy that makes you feel some type of way watching the golf tournament. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is more fun to see. And, and I've actually watched a little bit more golf with, you know, the last couple of weeks and and trying to get him a little more interested. And, of course, I get interested when it comes to Masters, but who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's just the – I mean, seriously, that's my favorite four days over – if I could choose anything in this world to watch in person on TV, give me those four days in its entirety over anything else. It could be college football's first weekend. Like, yes, that's exciting because of Alabama and all that. But man, like there's so much like history and aura around this, this one place that there's only like 300 members in the whole world. You know, it's just all the secret stuff about it. That's just so crazy. Like, you know, you just can't go to the math. You can't go to Augusta national and just say, Hey, I want to spend $10,000 to play around. No, that's not how it works. You can, you can have millions of dollars and, and they won't let you in. It's invitation only baby. I mean, all those stories, like if you play Augusta national, you can't talk about it in the, you can't go to the media and say, Hey, this is what, you know, this is what I did. You know, when I went and played Augusta, like if you get invited, it's almost like you can't talk about it. And if they find out that she went on like a podcast or like on ESPN and talked about it, they just won't ever invite you back. 
<laughs> so you know where they won't invite, won't have to have an invitation to go to. What's that? Daytona. Vroom. <laughs> Anybody can go to Daytona, and the finish that we had Sunday night—you mentioned it in the open. My God, man, that was so much fun to watch. It was, and but it was scary as all get out, too, man. What a crash, man! Those cars got just destroyed on that last lap. I was I mean, going Kyle back. Bush never lifted. Yeah, um, I was going back and forth. I don't know if you saw. I was going back and forth on Twitter with a with a few folks about, uh, you know, was it Brad K's fault? You know what? To me, for Brad K to say Brad K is Brad Keselowski, it's just a rough name to say. For for Brad Keselowski to say he didn't do anything wrong at all after just that's just not right to me. I mean, you know NASCAR the way I know golf. Like, that's mm-hmm. – you've taught me a lot about NASCAR. I've taught you a lot about golf. Explain to me, because when I see somebody that, in my mind, clearly was not going to win the race. It was Logano's race to win, in my mind. And instead of just kind of accepting, hey, I, if I try to make a move here, people could die. People could lose their life if I try to cause – you know, if I try to make a move here. To me, I was like, okay, this is Logano's win. What a win by him. He led the last, what, 30 laps basically or something. Yeah. You know, it's just a great race by Logano. And they're, they're best friends, they're teammates, they're best friends. To me, I thought that was on Keselowski. But, again, I don't know a tenth of the stuff you know about NASCAR. So whose fault uh, was it? Why would somebody like me think it was Keselowski's fault? And if it wasn't his fault, whose fault was it, and why was it their fault? In my opinion, it was neither one of them's fault. If you go back and you look at the last 10 laps of that race, mm-hmm. they even had Brad on uh, on radio. They even you know, let it play. He kept saying, I'm going to have to fade back and get a run. Yeah. And that's what he did. He did it three or four times leading up to that last lap. Because he kept testing, kept seeing whoever was behind him, if he could make it work, and it was. Mm-hmm. And the car behind him was the McDowell. winner, Michael McDowell. Yeah. And I have no bad feeling against Michael McDowell because he has put in his 14 time. 14 years. He, to me, he raced, he raced an extremely clean race. Owen 358 before that night. That's right. What I'm referring to is if you watch, when they come off of two mm-hmm. – Brad is starting to ride, you know, he's starting to touch the brake. And a lot of times, if you could watch the pedals inside the car, especially, you know, they don't run a stricter plate anymore. They put on these big uh, spoilers on the back, right? right? So that took away that. And what it did was used to, when you run a restrictor plate, you had to hold it to the floor. If you ever lifted, you were going to fall way back because – it took so much more. It was all about momentum. You had to keep your momentum up in the car all the way around the track, no matter what. You actually slowed the car down by just rubbing the brake. So if you watched inside that floorboard, you would see them holding their foot on the on the accelerator all the way to the floor, and you'd see their left foot kind of feathering the brake. And that's how they could control if they were getting too much of a run up on somebody, right? right? Well, a lot of those guys still do that. They had never left that. They've they've not got out of that habit. You can you can completely come out of the accelerator out of the throttle now, and then get right back in it. You hadn't lost anything. You may have scrubbed a couple miles an hour of speed, 
but you haven't completely lost it like you used to. So when he comes off a two, I could I would be willing to put a lot of money on if you could go back and have a, a camera on his feet you would see that Brad started rubbing that brake right. and he started getting back. He started laying back because he knew that if he could get that car behind him, pulled up to him and sucked up to him, that they could get a run going into three. So that's what happened. Now, one thing that happens with these big spoilers, even though they're, you know, they've got that clear uh, plastic, so you can kind of see through them at the top, you still can't see clear, right? And especially at a night race when, the lights are coming, and, and let's just be honest, your adrenaline's flowing. It's the last lap of the, day, last lap of the Daytona the biggest 500. Race of the year. You're going in biggest race of the year, biggest race of your life if you were to win it. And Michael McDowell, he just keeps riding, and he's he's pushing, man. We're, we're getting it. We got this run, and we're going into three. We're about to make a move. And if you notice, right before Brad goes to the right side before he tries to climb the hill – you see that McDowell's hitting that back bumper. Right. He couldn't see Lugano. I really don't think that he could see Lugano in front of him. He's just he's so focused on what Brad's doing, and as long as he stays on him, he's got a chance to keep this run up. And if Brad can get on either side of the Lugano, that opens up for when they come off forward where it could be a three-car race to the finish. Mm-hmm. Okay, So McDowell's holding his momentum up just like the rest of them. And because he couldn't see it, Brad had nowhere to go. He's getting pushed, and he made his move too late, and that caused him to catch a fender, in my opinion. So in my, I think if anybody's to blame, it's actually McDowell, but it ain't because I really don't think he did it intentionally. I think he couldn't see the car in front of Brad. And so he stayed pushing instead of letting off. And what you got was two cars in the fence, and when Brad got hit by Kyle Busch, that was a like a ton of bricks. That hit tore the entire back end of that car off. And you don't see that a I lot. mean, that was the ugliest car I've seen in a long time. It was it was scary. And I mean that was, you know, everybody sees the flame and, and the fact that, that fuel cell is in the back of that car is why that, you know, the fire started because it completely knocked the fuel cell off. And if you just get a little bit of fuel on exhaust of a car who's ran 500 miles, it's going to be hot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to get a flame. So that's why the fire started. But man, I mean, that wreck just was crazy. And McDowell comes off of, you know, out of three into four, holding the lead. Chase was making a run. But a lot of people hadn't mentioned this, and it's kind of an afterthought and it didn't really matter. But if you watch that, they're still holding it. Him and Chase are holding it to the floor. And the run that McDowell got off of four, he completely won that race by Carlin. Right. I mean, he was getting it coming into the trial. I mean, that was just – that car was set up right. He was patient all day long. He ran it the way he was supposed to. He was there at the end. Mm-hmm. He got fortunate with a – you know, I hate, it, hate to say it, but he got fortunate with a wreck, put him in the lead, and he got the win. I mean, that right there just – I was happy for him. I mean, he, like you said, he's been so long without a win. The guy deserves it. Everybody likes him. He's a good guy. He didn't mean to wreck those cars, but I, I feel like if he would have rubbed that brake a little bit, that wouldn't have happened. And honestly, probably Brad would have been the one that got And you know what? Brad would have made a You know move. who I picked? Freaking Brad Keselowski, <laughs> man. Yeah, your car. <sighs> Your driver was sitting sideways when mine come through, 
He ended and, uh, it was I think Keselowski ended up finished thirteenth, didn't he? I think he finished. Let's see. I got it pulled up right here. Kozlowski finished, and I butchered that. Thirteenth, and Kyle Busch finished fourteenth, and that was our picks. <laughs> Man, I was, <laughs> ah, dude. I I honestly felt like I was Brad Kozlowski in that last lap because I was standing up right at the TV like I do for football games, and I was like, "Let's go, Brad! Come on, baby!" And then, like, all of a sudden, <laughs> my dude's up in space. <laughs> I'm like, "What just happened?" <laughs> It was nuts, man. Those cars. And like, honestly, like I thought it was, it was awesome that there was such a delay because, man, that nighttime driving, man, it's just something about watching it like that. Yeah, it really is a a night race at Daytona, a night race anywhere. It brings you back, and it was a lot of fun, man. Denny was right in in position. He come top five. He almost had three in a row, right? Yeah, that's never happened before. Yeah, it just showed you how good Denny Hamlin was. Uh, I totally sucked at my uh, fantasy NASCAR. This Who did you have? Uh, about eight of the cars. That the first race? Lap the first yeah. yeah, it was terrible. And uh, I had Denny Hamlin. That was it. That was the rest of them. I, <laughs> I had Eric Jones. He's sitting in the grass, can't move. Uh had – um, I didn't pick the 24 car. He was, he was too far at the front. And, and what I figured out in this fantasy NASCAR is that Daytona, you don't want anybody that's at the front. You want people who can, well, can you know, start at the back. Kislowski was riding 40. I think yeah. I think he started off 40th or something. Well, yeah, he had to move the back. He was supposed to start off 26th. He had to move the back because of a change or something right before the race. Yeah, and what happened with Bubba Wallace? Like, what was that whole deal? He missed inspection the first two times. That they put you through inspection, and you get a swing at it. And if you don't make it, you get, I think it's like 15 minutes to adjust. Yeah. If you don't get it again, you actually lose a crew member, which a lot of times. Yeah, and his crew chief got ejected, guy. right? I don't. Does crew chief get I know you lost a crew member for the race, but I don't know who it was. It was like a pit. It may have been the crew chief. I thought it was the crew chief because I saw him, like, storm out or whatever. It may have very well been because he – I mean, it's a big deal to miss this thing. And these – one thing you got to know about these tolerances is we're talking a thousandth of an inch in tolerance. I mean, it is tiny. You know, they don't want you messing with anything on this car, This, which is kind of crazy to me because they even – you know, they measure ride height, different things like that, but you can adjust during a race – you know, you might put a couple rounds of wedge in it and jack one corner of the car up, but you also get measured on your ride height at the end of the race. And I don't know. It's crazy to me that they can get so close to it, but they do, and it works. But, uh, yeah, that's NASCAR. We go right back to the Roval this – or not the Roval, the Daytona Road Course this week. No qualifying this week. It goes back to pandemic, you know, COVID-19 um, – rules where the field's already set. Chase Elliott is on the pole. Michael McDowell's second. And it's Yeah, and apparently least, apparently McDowell's really good at road courses. He is, yeah. And he's so right now the formula for these the tracks that they're gonna run this at where they're not doing actual qualifying is twenty five percent drivers finishing position of the previous race. Okay, so we've only had one obviously and so everybody's listed there. Mm-hmm. 25% car owner finishing points from the previous race. So this can go into a team like Hendrick where they got four cars, can actually help their, you know, themselves by 
having multiple cars. 35% team owner points ranking. So obviously again it goes into but it's it's wherever you rank with your your overall team. And then 15% fastest lap from the last race. So your fastest lap on the track goes into how you start for this week. Right. So it is there's a little bit of a formula there and pretty much if you look at it for this week it's it's almost identical to the finishing order of last week but that's just because We've only had one race. If this was later on in the year, which we we will have a few more of these these races like this where we don't have qualifying, and uh, they will be a little bit more, it'll be a little different than the week before. But uh, it's going to be interesting. This uh, it's a shorter race because it being the road course. Mm-hmm. I think it it's like two hundred and sixty miles or something like, like that. Like hundred and twenty so, laps or something. I think it's 100? actually. Yeah, it's it's even lower than that. It's it's two hundred and fifty three miles is what they're going okay. to Um and it's I mean it's gonna be fairly short, but it's uh it may take a little longer because your you know, your average speed of that lap may only be a buck twenty versus one ninety five hundred that yeah. you're racing. Right. So that's everything I've got for NASCAR. You got anything before we move on to college basketball? Um should we do our picks for the race? For this week, yes, absolutely. You, you give me yours. So who you got? You give me yours. Hold on one second. Let me pull that back up because that is a. Uh, let me pull this line up back up. The the big thing this week is because it's a road course. A, li- a lot more important is your starting position, and I mean honestly. The team, the guy on the pole won both of them last year. He's going to be tough, and that's Chase. But I think I may go with somebody that's a little bit further back. I got somebody, too. I'm going to go with the guy that's in fifth place. I'm going to go with uh, with Kevin Harvick. He's starting off fifth. He's got a great spot here. He's going to have a good pit spot, you know, pit stall. Uh, I think Harvick's going to be the winner. I got Truex Jr., all right, yeah, you're going a little further back for I mean, sure. That's still possible, though, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's in 19th. It, all it takes is one good, you know, a timely caution with a good pit stop to get him in position. And uh, he can definitely drive the car. It's not like if they get him out there, he's going to fall back. Uh, Michael, he can he can hold him off, and that's definitely a good pick for this week. Well, that's who I'm going with. Now, I know – I will not go with Stenhouse Jr. I don't know how he still has a job. You know, him, like most people, when they date Danica Patrick, they all go downhill from there. It's like the Kardashians and in NASCAR. It really is. It really, really is. When you date Danica, you you start to get that uh, whiny mentality that she had about it's never her right. fault. And, and that's what happened to him. I mean – my God, the man grew a mullet out and couldn't get anything done after that. You hate, you hate just, to see it. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. So, Cody, tell us about some college basketball. I know that this week we're having a little trouble with COVID. Well, we got several games that are getting having trouble with moved around. weather. You know, yeah, weather's the, a big deal. all the snowpocalypses are <laughs> Louisiana, Mississippi. The entire state of Texas is under snow and ice right now. I mean, it's yeah. just a, you know, you you finally can beat COVID sometimes, and then you can't beat the weather in Texas. You know, it's just 
Right. As as far as you know, locally, you know, Alabama's playing Vanderbilt, so that should be a, should be an easy dub. But you know, some of the the bigger games this weekend, uh, I think Illinois at Minnesota could be a good game. San Diego State at Fresno State could be a tricky game for San Diego State. Um, UConn at Villanova. UConn is always one of those teams that can sneak sneak up on you. Villanova, for some reason, is, they haven't impressed me as much lately. And another game that I'm really looking forward to is I want to see if Tennessee can beat Kentucky. I just hmm. because Kentucky got a win at all, you know, a win versus Auburn. So it's almost that time, regardless of what Kentucky's record is, they are still Kentucky as far as athletes go. Like they still have first round draft picks everywhere on the team. It's just they did not get to to jail like the other Calipari teams did. You know what I mean? So I want to see that game. Another good game, as long as it doesn't get canceled, is Texas Tech at Kansas. That's going to be a good one. And a team that's kind of reeling right now is Missouri. They have they have lost to Arkansas. They've lost to Ole Miss. Uh, They lost to Georgia last night by ten. Georgia, which doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, And I I think the best game on the docket this week is West Virginia at Texas. As as long as it didn't get canceled. Yeah, I'm afraid it's going to get canceled. You're right. Weather has been crazy. If, I mean, if they can play that game Saturday, that's the best game on the schedule. Another one, um, Purdue at Nebraska. Purdue's a bubble team-ish right now. Uh, they're 13-8, and eight, but they play in the Big Ten where everybody's basically getting in the tournament. Uh, but you don't want to lose at Nebraska because they have Penn State, Indiana, and Wisconsin coming up. Three pretty good teams, and Nebraska is a must-win for Purdue to stay in that tournament hunt. Um, there was one more. Gonzaga's not playing anybody, of course. Um, a, a game that I wanted to watch but got canceled was Oklahoma State at Baylor. Um, I think that's all. Um, Virginia – I don't know if you you saw they beat North Carolina again for like the seventh or eighth time in a row, which they just absolutely own North Carolina and Roy Williams right now. The style of basketball Virginia plays is not the most fun to watch, but it is very very efficient. So uh, they play Virginia yeah. plays at Duke, so you you never know. Duke just had some people quote unquote opt out or what I like to call quit. So, Virginia should get a dub there. Um, and I know I, I know I went a little over on basketball, but. Uh, no, no, keep going. I, I, heck, another big one for LSU. Auburn comes in to the Pete Maravich Center, and you just never know with LSU. LSU could score 105, or they could score 55. You just never know with them. They've probably got – top three talent in the SEC, but they've got what I like to call a lot of quit in them. If they ever get down by 10 points, the game's over. So, you know, that's that's one that Auburn could actually go into LSU and do some damage against with Sharif Cooper. So 
that's that's the last game I'm going to talk about. Sorry, I took so long on basketball. You know, I, I can go long winded on anything, but especially when I get to talk about hoops. <laughs> All right, so we got some uh, a few things here, and the first one I'm going to talk about is the fact. So, are you ready for the my fact of the week? Wait, Clay Dodd. What? What? I we cannot call ourselves a real podcast. If we oh, did not talk about what happened in Orlando. In Orlando. Where you you're talking about the school that has more expectations than yes. Auburn? Can you who who oh who is God. the new coach at Central Florida, Clay Don? Well, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I know for a fact that Auburn, Alabama has its fans, and I also know another fact about Auburn is it's, of course, it's in Alabama, so it's very warm during the summer, but that man is going to sweat to death in a sweater vest in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> yeah, he – Okay, and that looked, is Gus Malzahn. He looked very uncomfortable in that weird charcoal gray sh- uh, polo he was wearing. The Gus <laughs> it was... must have Orlando for, you know, Disney World when he didn't have anything else to do. And so he takes a trip to Orlando to get it. Worldwide, is there he interviews for a job and gets it? You know, m- most people when they win championships get to go to Disney World, but <laughs> in Gus's case, he gets fired and gets to go to Disney World. When you got that kind, that kind of vibe, <laughs> you know? well, and so it was like winning a lot of Auburn fans. Yeah, a lot of Auburn so, fans were hoping that that would affect the buyout, but it just didn't. Yeah. He, he gets that money regardless. That has nothing to do with this. Right. That's crazy. The man is going to be so rich. It's kind of like when, <laughs> uh, uh, what was it? Charlie Weiss was, was coaching and he's pulling money from Notre Dame and Florida. Notre Dame. Yeah, like 1.5 from Notre Dame for like eight years. Well, he was at Kansas and he was getting a check <laughs> from Notre Dame and Florida at the same time. He was getting paid from Kansas. He was triple dipping. Triple There's, oh man, it's crazy. So I've got a fact for you. Yes, sir. And I'm going to, have to read it off because it's just truly, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but I think you'll enjoy this. All right, so some okay. people have an extra bone in their knee. Did you know this? Okay. Because I did not. No. All right. I didn't. I did. All right. If you were under the impression that the human body finished evolving, think again. It turns out that some people have a bone in their knee called a fabula. And while this particular little bone has an unknown purpose, it was once fading away. In fact, over the last century and a half, it got more common. Back in 1875, nearly 18% of people examined had one. That number dropped to 11% of people in 1918. But however, it has bounced back. In 2018, 39% of individuals that were examined had this bone. They can't figure out why. That is a, a lot. Um, I I do I don't have a football fact for you, Clay Dodd, okay. but I did see something that. And if you don't mind, I don't want to step on your your Clay fact toes no, no, here. Go ahead. But I did see something that blew my ever loving mind the other okay. day. If you could take, if you took all of the coronavirus like cells and everything coronavirus related, mm-hmm. it could fit 
into a 12-ounce can of Coke. Wow, that is crazy. In the whole world, all of those molecules that's causing all of this hoopla and everything can fit into 12 ounces of a Coke can. That's almost as many grams of sugar as in a Coke can. Yeah. <laughs> is that not crazy? Yeah, it's that crazy. That blew my mind. That blew my mind. Wait, it's, it, we're talking something tiny, just so small, just wreaking havoc over the entire world. That's 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 nuts. And, you know, I saw somebody tweet. They was like, "Well, why don't we just throw that Coke can away?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even want to recycle that one. We'll just put it in the dump. No, no. you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I've got a a new way to cook an egg. Let's go. All right. So just like last week, this looks terrible. Uh, it's called a shirt egg. S-H-I-R-R-E-D. Yeah. It, I don't like uh, that spelled either. Its description is plain. Um, it says, also okay. known as baked eggs. It is a dish in which eggs have been baked in a flat bottom dish. This name originates from the type of dish in which was traditionally baked. An alternative way of cooking is to crack the eggs into individual ramekins and cook them in a water bath. So that just sounds terrible. Not a fan of that. It, I mean, it, it literally says plain. Like, it doesn't have any taste at all. So that's just yeah. bad. All right. So I've got some rapid fire to finish up this. Let's go. All right, so what is the best, or I guess you could say the most important, unwritten rule at work? Best unwritten Don't talk about politics. That's a good one. And thank God we're, you know, four years away from that happening again. Don't talk about politics at all. I would, Very uncomfortable. I would like to... Uh, Suggest that we move to like eight year. I don't even care who's in the office. I would just rather not have another election for a long time. <laughs> Twelve year <laughs> terms. Yeah, like, let's, let's just go ahead and stretch it out. That way, I don't have to deal with it. That'd be great. All right. What was yours? Uh, best unwritten rule is uh, don't drink my coke. Okay. Well, that that would tick me off. I, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that needed to be said. It, it does. And I have my own little area. Okay. So, like in the fridge, if you were to open up the work fridge, <laughs> yeah. I have my own space, right? And I didn't like mm-hmm. write my name on it or anything like that. But just, I think by now, everybody knows that when they come in, Clay's stuff is on the bottom left. That's just, that's my corner. I just put everything, Whatever I bring for lunch that day, I put it in that corner. If I have something that's going to stay multiple days, guess what? It's in that corner. Correct. I mean, that's just my thing. And um, so if I have a Coke in there and it's in the bottom left, I shouldn't have to put my name on it. That's mine. If you didn't buy it, don't drink it. I mean, that's almost too, like, I don't think I've ever... Now, I've accidentally warmed up another person's food thinking it was mine because I had, like, a lasagna or something, and they had a lasagna, too. It was just a different brand. Oh, yeah. So, it wasn't, like, the biggest of deals. Right. But I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> this, is, this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't what I brought. I could have... But, like, it was... I could kill I picked up a lasagna, and it was... 
you know. It wasn't the one you wanted. <laughs> I mean, it, it probably was, it was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually better than the one you brought. Yeah, it was. I think I, it was like the Target brand, and I had like the great value. Yeah, they got screwed <laughs> for sure. <Yeah. laughs> Tough luck. <laughs> Tough luck on that lasagna. I hope you didn't tell them. I didn't tell anybody. No, either. no, you just you just go with it. Just... I didn't say a word. I was like, man, that wasn't bad. <laughs> All right. So next up, what is the worst name you could give your child? But <laughs> <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> hey, but. <laughs> Yeah, that would be terrible. You're right. That would that would suck. You know, I didn't want to say this on the on the on the podcast we had um, P. Shuck on, right? Because yeah. he knows Houston Nut. And are you familiar with Houston's brother who coaches basketball? What's his name again? Dicky Dicky Nut. Um, I think that might be one of the worst. Curses that you can get some. What if, what if what if we named him Buttnut? Oh, oh man! It's I mean you're just cursing that child forever. There's <laughs> there's no. Well, what's your worst name? Like Dickie, no, I guess Dickie Dickie Nut. It, but it's a it's a one two punch. It's the first name last name combo that really really sets it off. Man. Yeah, I think that's the worst. Um, but <laughs> but all right, and then like, we're so mature. How many chickens uh, would it take to defeat an elephant in a fight? What? <laughs> How many chickens would it take to Dang. defeat an elephant in a fight? I mean, I'd say at least 500. <laughs> at least 500? At least. <laughs> I would say a lot more than that. It's have to suffocate it or something. I don't know how the chicken's going to ever... Maybe five thousand. Yeah, that's getting closer for sure. I don't. I don't know, Clay. That's a crazy question. But uh, I know it's. It makes you. What was your number? I would say five thousand would be the the number. Hey, by the way, have you ever seen? I'm. I'm just gonna go out on a limb. Say you hadn't ever seen this. An elephant's foot resembles a human's foot completely. I mean, it's almost identical. There's so much I've learned from you. If you, I'm telling you, right after you get done recording this, and whoever gets done listening to this, Google an elephant's foot X-ray, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It's identical to a a, a human foot. There's just a okay. lot more. Pa- it looks like a human foot wearing high heels. You just okay. imagine that, and it's. I'm telling well, you. Let me look it up on the. You yeah. do it now, because elephant. Then, yeah, foot. elephant foot. Um, you know, X-ray, and you'll be showing this to uh, to Brooke as well. I promise you. It shocked there's me. No, there's no way. Yeah, do you see it? Oh my god! It's nothing but a human foot with like extra padding. Is all it is. It's, it's huge. Yeah, but it's. I'm talking about like it's the a shape human of foot. it. It looks like somebody's got cankles. Yes. Wow. That's fascinating. Well, I told you. I tell. I I learn you something new all the time. I mean, that's just weird. You could have said that was my foot, and I'd have believed you. <laughs> it's crazy because people. I mean, just look at it from the outside, and you're like, "There's no way." But then you look at the uh, 
the x-ray and you're like oh my god it's a human yeah. it's just crazy but well that's everything i've got cody i've taught you, you know, something and these people are going to be looking up this on google so you're welcome well we we like elephants around here but there's one thing we don't like what's that you know we don't mess with horses you enjoyed this episode just as much as we enjoyed making it for you if so make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast no matter where you get your podcast from make sure you send it to a friend because they really need to listen to it as well if you want to get in touch with us hit us up on twitter at pbjpod you can also send us an email pbjpod2020 at gmail.com you can even leave us a voicemail. You just got to go through the Anchor app, hit the leave voicemail link, leave that 10-second voicemail, and we'll put it on the next episode. Thank you for taking your time to listen to the Punts, Months, and Jams podcast, and we'll see you soon.